This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Dirk Peter von Leven from Red Hat. We discuss the company's footprint across Asia and their recent launch of the Open Innovation Institute in Singapore, and at the same time discuss how Asian companies are in different phases of their digital transformation from culture to innovation. Hi, Dirk. Hi, Bernard. How are you doing? I'm good. And where are you now? In Singapore? I'm back in Singapore. Yes. We were in Mongolia recently for the ConnectGov conference. That's where we met, right? It was a great experience except for getting stuck in Beijing. Yeah, and we have a pretty good conversation when we were actually waiting for the flight back to Singapore in Beijing Airport for six hours. So, and it was a great chat having, having you on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm talking to Dirk Peter von Leven, Senior Vice President and General Manager, Red Hat, Asia Pacific and Japan. And I'm a fan of Red Hat because I'm a fan of the Linux open source movement. Dirk, I'm very curious to know about your background and how do you start your career? So actually, I started my career as an engineer. I was a uh, software developer at first, and then I moved on to be a system designer and a, a manager of a software department. And from there on, I sort of slided into the commercial side of the business and selling what I was making. So I've learned a lot of hard lessons in life about how to develop software correctly, because if you don't, the customer is going to be suffering from it. And then, of course, on the other end, I, I learned how to sell something that the customer is really getting and not something that you know salespeople would want to sell, but it's not really the reality. So I've really got a very broad experience in life. So what brought you from Europe to Asia then? So I was asked by the company to make the, the move to Asia. And honestly, I had never expected to move to Asia. I always expected that I would be moved into the US or some other part of the world. So Asia was not necessarily one of those things that I really was looking forward to. But then once I got here, I was extremely surprised. And, and I'm here now for almost nine years. So uh, you can say that it's really grown on me. So in your career journey, given that you have the experience coming from an engineering-centric background to a sales background, what are the interesting career lessons you can share with my audience? So the interesting career lesson for me has been that you always got to put the customer first and you always got to understand what it is that the customer wants and put yourself in their shoes, whether you're an engineer and you're developing something or whether you are a salesperson and you're looking at what the customer really needs rather than trying to have your own agenda. So getting that understanding of pure customer needs has been one of the most important lessons for me. And of course, today, the main subject of the day is to talk about Red Hat in Asia Pacific and an initiative that you guys are launching on innovation. So before that, I want to ask you, can you briefly describe Red Hat, the company who has built its fortunes on Linux and open source operating system to my audience? Yeah, so it's, it's really been around, the, the way I like to describe Red Hat is that we are the first disruptor in this industry of disruptions. And we were the first disruptor because we took a solution which was open source and for which we didn't own any intellectual property. And we brought it to market in a commercial model. And so effectively, we brought something to customers that was designed and built to the specifications and the wishes of the customer without any commercial specific agenda in mind other than the customers, very much relating to what I said earlier. And from there on, we build a business model that allows customers to use the open source software, whether it's Linux or any of the other modern technologies, 
in a subscription-based model, whereby a customer basically pays for a subscription in which we make sure that the software is certified, supported, is running for a long, long time and has a, like a 10-year life horizon. So that investing in open source becomes something that people can do with ease of mind without having to worry about what typically are the the challenges with open source, i.e. that you don't know who is responsible, who owns it, who's going to support you. All those risks and other things are being taken away by Red Hat's subscription model. I know that in the early days, Red Hat used to be distributing their software through CDs. And I did my first installation of Red Hat through a CD. But of course, over the years, in fact, one of my guests earlier, also from Red Hat, Harish Pillay, uh, talked about the evolution of Red Hat. So in today's context, what is the current vision and mission of Red Hat? So the current vision of Red Hat is to be the defining technology company of the 21st century. And our mission is to be the catalyst in community of customers and contributors and partners and then also then creating better technology the open source way. That's really our overarching vision and vision and mission. Can you talk about your current role and coverage? Yeah, my current role is to be the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Asia Pacific which basically is the broadest definition of Asia-Pacific. So it, it goes from Australia, New Zealand to Japan, Korea, uh, China, and India, and of course the ASEAN countries. And it encompasses not just sales, but also services and marketing and, and other customer-touching functions. So what are the current products and services of Red Hat, and are they focused mainly in the enterprise? I understand you have an OpenShift platform and a lot of, and many other products and services. Yeah, so basically, uh, there's a whole host of services. We have these days a very wide portfolio, although, of course, the most well-known product is Linux. Uh, we call it Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and we shorten it as well. But ultimately, there are so many more products that form a host of solutions that really help any company to address digital disruption and to build solutions around that. Cloud computing is, is a very well-known term that we provide solutions for OpenShift is a product you just mentioned that really helps our customers to, to use containerization as a, as a way to build and deploy platforms. So we're really at the sharp edge of technology uh, with everything that is currently disrupting the world, basically. Mm. And of course, most of the cloud computing services out there, whether data centers, whether or Amazon or Azure Web Services, today are Red Hat certified, right, if I'm not wrong? They not only Red Hat certified, but a lot of the cloud services actually use Red Hat technology underneath them. So ultimately, the existence of cloud has been the result of a collection of open source products and projects of which Red Hat has been a core contributor. What is the current footprint of Red Hat in Asia-Pacific then? The current footprint of Red Hat is a presence in, in 12 countries, growing fast. We have been opening a lot of offices in the last few years. So we have people all over these regions in all the specific functions that I just mentioned. So we're very present really in this region. And specifically, any interesting stories of enterprise clients leveraging on Red Hat technologies that you can share? I understand a lot of it is within the region and particularly helping clients into get into the enterprise space then. So it's traditionally been about bringing customers into the enterprise space or to have actually enterprise customers um, deploying Linux and moving from Unix to Linux. This has really been part of what we've been very strong at and, and what we've become known for. But right now, in the recent years that we are really taking customers through the digital transformation journey, we create a whole new set of customers, like, for example, MyRepublic in Singapore. They really needed a, a disruptive solution to get themselves established as they're a very new company in, in this market as well. 
And they chose for Red Hat because we have solutions that help them to build resilient and proven and, st and stable solutions and also giving a lot of added benefits for them and their customers. But another interesting customer in the region, for example, is, is GovTech. Uh, you may have heard of the MyResponder app that, that is very well known and saves lots of lives. These are great examples of how our customers using open source technologies to very quickly and rapidly develop and deploy solutions that are not only good for typical customers, but even for the, for the larger audience, for the larger world. And, and GovTech is basically the technology infrastructure team on behalf of the government Singapore. And I know the Responder app team, I think Mark Lim, who's the guy heading it, was say that the app actually saves a lot of lives and actually able to track people when they have heart attacks. Indeed, you're absolutely right. And, and Mark was kind enough to come and present the, the My Responder app to Red Hat's key conference in the US a couple of months ago where he really was a, did an outstanding job and everybody was, was definitely taken by the impact that an application like this can have on, on the social fabric of a country. Which verticals does usually the enterprise clients actually leverage on Red Hat? I mean, you touch on government, you touch on broadband operators such as MyRepublic. Are there any other verticals around the region, for example, say outside of Singapore, say Indonesia, Thailand, etc.? What do, what do they use Red Hat for? So across the world, we basically find that Red Hat finds its customers in every segment. Key verticals that we see the majority of customers in are, as you just mentioned, government and telecommunications, but also finance and other industries. We're very strong in all of those groups. And the reason is that these are strong, important enterprise customers that have always wanted to leverage and use open source, but needed a business model that, that is what we provide that allows them to do it in a safe, secure way for them to, to feel confident that they're using open source in the best possible way. I'm coming to the main announcement that you guys are going to be talking about. So Ray Hat launches the Open Innovation Institute in Singapore, and this is the first in Asia Pacific. So what's the role of the Institute in providing an environment for customers to develop new solutions based on this Open Innovation Institute? So the the idea behind it was actually formed by the need of the customers themselves. We've got lots of customers who are going through digital transformation and they need help. They need to understand better how digital transformation works. They want to therefore then tap into technology and into knowledge that isn't easily available. I mean, as, as, you, as you know, there's so much disruption happening that the, the real experts, the people who really understand how to quickly deploy and implement applications are very scarce in this world. And they also need a solution that is being developed in an independent way because uh, vendor lock-in has traditionally been a big risk for customers when they were developing new technologies and, and new architectures. For customers, therefore, to work with Red Hat is a natural solution because we are an open source company. We have no vendor lock-in other than our customer service and the quality of customer service. So there is no risk for people that they are being tied into a certain technology that they can't escape from once they have actually deployed it. Hence, they have come to us and, and many customers come to us and say, can you guys provide us more architectural support and help us develop a way to very quickly adopt digital solutions? And so based on those requests, we've decided to open what we call the Open Innovation Lab. And that is ultimately our commitment to accelerate the innovation and digital transformation around the region. So how does your customers actually engage the Open Innovation Institute in building up new applications and innovations then? So basically, we offer the customer three choices on how they can engage into the lab. 
either by working collaboratively and in an immersive residency-oriented lab environment with Red Hat ex experts on, you know, in their own office, or we can do what we call a pop-up lab, where we basically bring our experts to the customer site. And then in that case, we, we bring it to them physically. And then there is the virtual engagement possibility where we provide a secure cloud environment And this enables teams across the globe to access and use the systems simultaneously. The, the key thing about this whole solution is that we really immerse our customers in an experience and where, where they dedicate the resources for a couple of, of weeks or months dedicated with Red Hat so that there are defined outcomes and a true digital transformation product project can take from start to finish with the right engagement level and with the right support from Red, from Red Hat. I have a question to ask on digital transformation. I mean, many companies today in Asia are talking about digital transformation, the need to tackle against disruption. In your perspective, how should business actually think about innovation on top of this whole wave of digital disruption that's actually eating into their traditional industries in their space? Yeah, it's a very good question. And, and I mentioned to you earlier that Red Hat, we see ourselves as the first disruptor in the industry because we took something that was freely available, that didn't offer us any intellectual property, and we took it to customers as a consumption with a consumption model that was really focused around customer needs. If you look at what's happened in the digital world or in, in our current world, it's not even the digital world, every disruption that you've seen, and, and often people use the examples of Uber and Facebook and others, has been around customer experience. The success of any of those disruptors has been around offering a solution, a service that is around the need of specific customers. It's no longer about the technology or about the product, it's around the experience. So when it comes to disruption and when it comes to innovation, I think customer experience needs to be central in, in any decision or in any design. And with that, obviously, uh, we very strongly believe that open source can provide the right solutions because if it doesn't exist, it can easily be developed. But every idea that anybody may have can easily be be strengthened and lead to another idea. And this is how innovation happens. Just to elaborate a little bit on that, if you look at why open source has been so successful and so instrumental to the digital disruption, it's because it has really sparked further innovation. And innovation gets restricted if you block it, if you protect it, if you don't share what you've designed and what you've created. But on the other hand, if you share innovation, if you share source code or you let other people look at it, you spark innovation. You create a, a platform and, an, and a, a way for people to get ideas from what they see, to build on top of it, and to very quickly innovate and develop new things. That has really become an exponential growth of technologies that are now available to everybody in the world to play with and to work with and to rapidly develop and deploy solutions that are customer-centric. And I think this is where there's a, a challenge in digital transformation, right? You, businesses need to come up with products at the fastest, agile, quick pace, iterative, while it also requires the reliability and the security when that service is deployed. So in your perspective, how do businesses should balance between these priorities then? Yeah, and this is actually where the Open Innovation Lab comes in because we have the ability to help customers to very rapidly develop and deploy applications. Uh, you, you must have heard the, the term fail fast and fail often. That really sparks development. 
what what we do in our innovation labs is we really help our customers to very quickly define a, a quick win, develop it, roll it out, and then keep developing on top of that. Keep adding functionality. Every iteration in itself happens really quick. If you compare this to traditional development where people were developing software for years and then testing it for months or years and then rolling it out, building an infrastructure, if you do it in that traditional way, you can be certain that in these days and in this age, by the time you roll it out, it's going to be old. It's going to be you know, behind its time. And so rapid development is essential these days. So if I'm a head of innovation in any company and I want to come to Red Hat to ask for help in terms of developing uh, solutions for my company, so you actually have this end-to-end where you can start from the ideation all the way to deployment and see the results of the deployment. Am I right to say that? That's absolutely correct. That is what we do in our lab. We take our customers through the entire journey, start to finish. And the interesting part of it, it is not just and alone a matter of working with developers. We work with the entire organization. Digital disruption is not something that comes from the IT department. It's something that comes from the business. So we bring every stakeholder in the success of such a transition together in one room. And this is the essence to it. We have the development people, we have the operations people, we have the business people, we have them all together. And with them in one room, we can then very rapidly develop and design and develop and roll out solutions. And that's a unique feature of the Open Innovation Lab. I have an interesting thought about the region of Asia-Pacific because it is divided into three types of markets. You have very developed markets like Japan, Korea, Singapore. You have very emerging ones like Indonesia, Thailand. And then you have very frontier ones like Myanmar, which is just opening up. Does that mean innovation has a different role to play in each of these three markets or maybe in the open source language, actually everything is the same because there's actually a common baseline that you can actually innovate on top of something that is already known and there's something that you can actually collaborate and elaborate into new solutions that solves their needs. Yeah, we see them as very distinct markets. And, and in Asia, as I mentioned, it's, it even includes China and India. And we, we see them also as emerging markets, maybe not as much as, as Myanmar, but there are great examples of how innovation has different maturity levels in each of those places. The interesting thing, though, is that if you look at what happens in the emerging countries, in the, in the, in the new countries, they really have, have no legacy. So they don't need to worry about displacing existing systems. They can very rapidly come to the market with new uh, deployments, with, with new technologies. And that's why a lot of new technology, like you've seen with Grab and, and others, takes hold rapidly of those markets with innov- innovative ideas uh, around ride sharing on motorbikes, etc. Things that you wouldn't see in the more mature markets. I have a final question. So most Asian companies are currently in the different phases of digital transformation and innovation. What are the key challenges you see them facing in transitioning their traditional business operations by increasing their digital technology stack? I think also a lot is to do with the business model and the culture of the company. Can you talk about that? Yes. So ultimately, if, uh, if you talk about culture, I think culture is essential to the success of implementing solutions through digital transformation. It requires from most companies a different mindset within their company. And if I talk to my customers, their biggest challenge is to deal with their internal company culture. People are often very resistant to change and they believe that their traditional technology should be maintained for as long as, as possible. Whereas others are very open to making the changes 
and and this is really what you need in a company culture. Otherwise, you won't be able to make the changes fast enough. But another big challenge that my customers are presenting with me is the lack of knowledge and the lack of, of resources. There are so many new technologies being rolled out at the same time from many different companies that it's extremely hard for our customers to keep up with it and to understand which technology they should use and which technology they shouldn't use, mainly around what technologies will be there for the long term, because all these investments need to be made with a view to the long term. So those are the challenges that our customers are presenting us with and by means of the Open Innovation Lab and obviously all our other underlying technology, we try to give them a path through the the forest of, of technology and confusion around digital disruption. Many thanks, Dirk, for coming on the show and actually talking about this new Open Innovation Institute that you just launched in Singapore. I'm sure it's going to be able to help a lot of companies with their digital transformation process. So in closing, I wanted to ask you two questions. The, the first thing I want to ask you is, can you recommend anything that you have recently read, could be in the form of a book, podcast, movie, that you find interesting in your line of work or even in your life? Uh, yeah, selfishly, uh, you know, one of the, the books that I really would recommend you and others to read is a, a book written by our CEO. It's called The Open Organization. And it's interesting, not because it's written by our CEO and we don't make money on the book. It's more that it really connects the culture of a company to the culture of open source and and why open source has become successful and how this then transpires into Red Hat's culture and what companies can do in terms of adopting a different open culture to innovate faster and to spur innovation. And not only that, but also how they can create a very interesting company environment for people to work in uh, because there's so much excitement going around that excitement needs to be stimulated. It's a whole different way of leading an organization that, that our uh, CEO does. And I definitely recommend that book. It's it's written by Jim Whitehurst. It's an interesting book because I have read it. And as a fan of the open source movement in my early school days, even till nowadays, I would highly recommend that book. So my last question to you, how can my audience find you? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me through redhead.com uh, under the uh, leadership section. I, I love to hear from people. I love to interact with people and, and share their ideas and knowledge. So I would invite people to connect and not just to me, but to Red Hat in general. And you can find me at bernardleong.com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-C. Asia. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and also tune in, of course, Google Play in the US market. Uh, once again, Doug, thank you for coming on the show. Bernard, it was my pleasure. I hope to see you soon again.